Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 1043 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. your take on this because we're going to get into Colin Coward's top five quarterbacks with the most pressure in 2023, but the quarterback Netflix series that is uh, sweeping the nation. Folks are, are, are enamored with the process of a quarterback. What's another position you'd like to see highlighted in a series? Or maybe it's just one documentary. Oh, come on. That's easy, man. The blind side, right? Well, you've already got the movie with with Michael Orr. I would love to see the follow around some of these uh, left tackles, right? Um, For some of these quarterbacks because of the unconventional quarterback play. Like, so give me any left tackle that has to block for Justin Fields. Give me any left tackle that has to block for Lamar um, Jackson, right? I was actually at, um, I was at a wedding with uh, Stanley, the, the left tackle for the Ravens, a, a couple of weeks ago in uh, San Diego. But I think it would be very interesting because some of these guys, you know, you got to be this this war daddy. You got to have eyes in the back of your head. And some of these quarterbacks are very unconventional with with how they operate in the pocket. So I think the left tackle position would easily be the the, the funniest, and and um, you would really get a, some insight on offensive linemen and kind of. The nerdy things that we do with our off time. What are what are some of those things? Oh man, Dungeons and Dragons. I'll tell you this: you walk on a football, you walk on a team plane. Just take a look at the offensive lineman and what each and everyone's doing. You'll see one just you know head in a book, uh, other with um, you know playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you'll see one guy with like the whole video game console. Um, other guys just doing completely different things, right? I mean, you know maybe it's a, a guys in film, right, and, and constantly just doing the film. Maybe he's back there in the back of the plane playing cards. Maybe he's the jokester in that room, so he's back there. W- w- another guy's with the D lineman, and they're just cracking jokes. But I think. The offensive line room is the most diverse room in the NFL, for sure. What I discovered when I was in the NFL, and tell me if you had the same experience in the offensive line room, was that the offensive linemen were the most devout, religious dudes on the team. Did you have that experience? Um, Probably. Like, I, I could agree with that statement. Why yep. do you think that is? Uh, no idea. Yeah, I, I don't either, but it's just that they are kind of clustered there. Yeah, uh, you got to understand, like, everybody looks at it as a, as a blessing 
that, you know, offensive linemen, you, you hit the genetic lottery, right? You're 6'6", 315 pounds, athletic, you know, jump out, you could jump out the gym, dunk a basketball, all these different whoa, things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Offensive linemen jumping out the gym, dunking basketballs? Majority of them I've seen, yeah. Wow. I've seen a lot of guys. I watched DJ Fluker dunk a basketball right underneath the rim, and he was 385 pounds. That's and a good boy. He literally just jumped up and two-handed that thing. But um, the interesting thing where I was trying to get to, Nate, is like a lot of us spend our life trying to be unseen. Like everybody who's like, oh, my goodness gracious, like you're, you're genetically, you're, you're a freak. And, man, you're so athletic and all these different things. But I, I go back and look at all like the photos I took as a child where I'm just kind of in the back and how I'm set standing and, you know, I'm my, my shoulders are crouched down. It's like I'm trying not to be seen or trying to appear smaller because of my surroundings. Um, so you spend your life like that. And um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you end up making it to the NFL or if you do make it to the NFL, that that's absolutely amazing. But I think with that being said, of the fact that we've spent our life trying to be unseen, we start doing different things. Right. And just trying to be regular, trying to be there. Yeah, don't look at my size or whatever. I play video games just like you or we could go to the park or we go swimming, whatever the case may be. Uh, so I think that's where we end up getting multiple different hobbies. I grew up in a very religious household like my mom every Sunday. Um, there were Sundays where she would not be able to make it to church, but she made sure that me and my brother went to church. So that was always something that I held very close to me. But I, I don't know. Why is it, you know, you, what you just said, like a lot of offensive linemen tend to be a little bit more religious group on the football team? Yeah, for me, the offensive linemen, very thoughtful bunch, really weird, very gross, very silly, but also very, very devout religious men. And, and it's, it's kind of, I think, one of the more unique position groups on the field. And I would like to see a documentary. So, Peyton, are you listening? Are you listening? Omaha! <laughs> Get on it, man. Okay, here is Colin Cowherd talking about his list of five quarterbacks with the most pressure in 2023. 35 years old, could blame the offensive line, did get the Rams a Super Bowl, but I was told they tried to redo his contract in the offseason. He didn't want to do it. Sean McVay has shown an ability to fall out of love very quickly with even guys capable of getting you to a Super Bowl. Mm. All right, that was Matt Stafford. Here we got number four, Aaron Rodgers. It's New York. It's a new team. He's a Hall of Famer, but there's some pressure here. Hard knocks, high expectations, J-Mac guaranteeing a Super Bowl trip. I mean, he's minted, right? We all know. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, it's fine. Joe Montana went to Kansas City, got to the playoffs, didn't win a Super Bowl. Nobody holds it against him. He's got Russell Wilson at number three. We'll hear that in a minute, but here's number two, Tua. They were 8-0 last year when he was standing upright. Three concussions, though, last season. Career in peril if he gets another one. And maybe unfair health pressure. And safety pressure, but he's playing for a contract. When he's healthy, they're good. Can he stay healthy? At this point, none of us know. And Colin Cowherd's number one quarterback with the most pressure in 2023. D-Mac, are you listening? Justin Fields. He's completed 59% of his throws in two years and has the worst record of any starting quarterback in two years, 5-20. and 20. Now they got him pieces. Excuses are over. Big market media, they want wins. He's been given all sorts of help now. Get W's. Andrew Luck went 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5 with the worst roster. Get W's. Get W's. 
Uh, Johnny, you got the Russell Wilson one as well? All right, let's hear from Colin Cowherd. He, he thinks Russell Wilson is the third quarterback on this list. Let's hear what he says about Russ. Number three is Russell Wilson. Sean Payton's going nowhere. Russell may be going somewhere. He's got to be better. I don't believe he's washed. I think he rebounds. But he's coming off the worst season in his career and appeared reluctant to play the kind of style he needs to to win, which is keep moving, bro. You're very instinctual. Lean into it, not away from it. All right, what do you think of that list? Do you think that's fair? Russell, number three. Um, Justin Fields, number one. Um, man, I love Colin Coward to death. I, I think he does a heck of a job, especially with his his production company, uh, Volume Sports, did some stuff for him last year on that. But this list, I, I couldn't disagree more. I think Russell Wilson belongs on this list, absolutely. But the other four quarterbacks, there's no real pressure on the other four quarterbacks. You think Aaron Aaron Rodgers is number four on this list. There's pressure on Aaron Rodgers because he went to the Jets. The Jets know exactly who Aaron Rodgers is, and yet they still said that we're going to take a chance on him. Any team in the National Football League, but any fan could see what Aaron Rodgers did the last couple years and know that you probably shouldn't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. He's the Kyrie Irving of the NFL. Right where you have no idea what he's going to do year to year. And if you want to put yourself in that situation, that's on you as an organization. So there's no pressure on Aaron Rodgers. There's no pressure on Matthew Stafford because he didn't want to restructure his deal. What was the context with that? Were they asking for more years on his deal? You know, did, did he not want to stay there? Did he not want to commit to playing football longer than his original deal is? Maybe he might be looking at to sail off the sunset. He's already won a Super Bowl and seen how bad it gets immediately right after. So I don't think that there's pressure on him for that. Then you put two on there. You put two on there because his coach is brushing him back from playing too soon? I would say that there's more pressure on Mike McDaniels than Tua Tungavaloa. You have a young quarterback, left-handed quarterback, that's very unique, that could absolutely go out there and pick apart defenses where the coaching staff now put him in a position not likely to succeed. And he was unavailable because of the decisions that they made as a coaching staff. And Justin Fields, he's a running back playing quarterback. That coaching staff knows that. That coaching staff still decided to pick him with their first pick. So yeah, he, they led the league in rushing last year. Now they finally have got some wide receivers. This is him finally coming into his own. There's no pressure on Justin Fields, though, because what they're banking on is the fact that he can use his legs when the pocket breaks down. Now they want him to push the ball down the field more, but um, if the pocket breaks down, they want him to use his legs. So you want to have your cake and eat it, too, just like they, they've been doing for many, many years in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I would love to have seen Lamar Jackson on this list. I would love to have seen Justin Herbert on this list. I would love to have seen Dak Prescott on this list because I believe that those three quarterbacks have a lot more pressure than Justin Fields, Tua Tungvaloa, Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford. Mm. I like that. Well, which one of those quarterbacks that you just mentioned has the most pressure on him in 2023? I'm going to ask you that next. Also, who's, we're going to get into these kickers on the Denver Broncos. Do you even know who the punter is right now? We're going to talk about these kickers, what to expect in 2023 from the special teams. That's next. Admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Like little Eddie Money. 
You ever heard of Eddie Money? Um, I, yeah, I've heard of him. Um, I like all, all music, Nate. As long as you get a good beat, get a good uh, melody going, and I should find myself listening to all different types of genres. You think we should start a, a fan band? Because D-Mac can play drums. Mm. Um, I play a little guitar. Okay. Um, you can sing. No. You can no. sing. No, won't be a part of this. Johnny can play the cowbell. Okay. Right? Johnny signed yeah, up. Yeah, I play a mean cowbell. I bet okay. you do. I bet you do. We got to get somebody on the keys. Obviously, we need a bass player. Mm. And then we got a band, man. And we got some room behind the, the mics here. We could put up a whole a full band back there, and the people who watch Twitch could watch us. Nice. The cameras are already here. Yeah. Brilliant. We have everything that we need. Everything we need except <clears throat> the musicians. All right. When are you guys gonna? When are you guys gonna practice? Because yeah, that's a good I, question. That, that's why I'm out. I don't. I don't you have, have any to rehearse time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys practice, uh, plan on practicing. All right. We'll let you know. Keep you informed. All right. So you made an interesting statement right before we took a break. Yes. You said that these guys on Callan Coward's list, Matthew Stafford. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tua Tagovailoa, and Justin Fields, who he said have the most pressure on them uh, than any other NFL quarterbacks in 2023. You think that list is wrong. You mentioned some other names you wish were on the list. You said Lamar Jackson. You said mm-hmm. um, uh, Justin Herbert. And you had one more. Oh, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Explain those names for me and, and which of those three well, you think has the most pressure I'm, on them. I'm going to go with uh, explaining Justin Herbert first because a texter from the 303 has already said, Justin Herbert, question mark. Right. Uh, please explain, Skinny-O. Th- thanks for calling me Skinny-O. Um, we, look at, we look at last year. We look at the playoffs, right? The playoff birth of, of Justin Herbert last year with the Chargers. Playing against Jacksonville. How much were they up by, at, at halftime on that oh, game? Oh, yeah, that was They, they were up down. by, what, over three touchdowns? Yeah. And to, they were up by 27 points in that game. Wow. So now what did, you know, this coaching staff try to do in the second half? They put it in Justin Herbert's hands. I don't agree with it. I think that, you know, being up 27 points, you run your offense. You sustain drives. You don't be predictable. But they now became predictable with their young quarterback that has came into the league and showed that he could do it from the neck up and he could do it with that right arm. They failed. They didn't have success. But not only did they not have success, a offensive coordinator got fired. Because of it. He's right here. Yeah. We have him here down Joe the street. Joe Lombardi, right. Joe Lombardi. Yeah. Right? The offensive Scapegoat. coordinator was the scapegoat last yeah. year. Yeah. Now, if you don't go out there and have success this year, and you don't now take your team and go win a playoff game, the now the head coach will be the scapegoat after this year. When the head coach becomes a scapegoat, now it's a new head coach. What did we see with new head coaches? New head coaches like to bring in their guys. So for me, when you look at a guy like Justin Herbert, there is pressure in the sense of for your head coach and keeping the familiarity. And now, you know, you got, um, you got Dallas's old offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore being your offensive coordinator now. Yep. There's question, there's pressure with those guys' jobs. Now, is Justin Herbert going to be out in the league? Absolutely not. But we know that these quarterbacks love to be married to a head coach, married to an offensive coordinator. They don't love the change. So there's pressure. Do you want to have more change? Do you want to have to burn this whole thing down and rebuild it all? Now, Justin Herbert's going to play a lot of football for a long time in this league, but there is still pressure. When I look at Lamar Jackson, well, 
we all know what Lamar's been going through the last couple of years. We saw that, you know, he didn't want to, they didn't want to pay him. He wanted this fully guaranteed contract. There's always going to be pressure with a guy like that that is viewed as more of a running back than a quarterback. Um, now you're losing offensive linemen, right? And Ben Powers walks in free agency, but the Ravens finally said, okay, we're going to give you a new offensive coordinator. We're going to give you some weapons. Odell Beckham Jr., come on. Now there is no excuse. Can you stay healthy, right? Or are you going to now do the exact same thing that you've done over the last couple of years? And with Dak Prescott, the scapegoat, right? Kellen Moore, you were the problem. You're the reason why we've lost the last two years against the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs. You're the reason why we haven't been able to be competitive in those games where now it's this kind of the same situation with Mike McCarthy as I just talked about with Brandon Staley with the Chargers. They've already identified their scapegoat. And if you don't go out there and win and have success and win a playoff game or win multiple playoff games and go deep, now you're going to burn it all down from the top. And there's a new head coach. There's a new offense coordinator. There's a new quarterback coach coming in if you don't win, Dak. So that pressure in the sense of losing their job because the quarterback position is so unique. And I don't think that you could ever really talk about pressure of losing a quarterback's job because I can't give you 32 quarterbacks in the National Football League that should be starters in the National Football League. And there will be a couple drafted this year as well. And they'll be tried to made into these quarterbacks and they'll fizzle out in three, four, five years. It happens every single year. But there's pressure in the sense of do you like the continuity that you've created? Do you like the system that you're operating in? Because if you don't go out there and win, they will burn it down. Yeah, the Cowboys, the most um, accessible, most popular team, most expensive franchise. Dak definitely has the pressure on him. And he, 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 I mean, they went they won 12 games last year, and then they continue to just, you know, flop in the playoffs. You were talking about that Chargers. They won 12 the year before or something like that as well. Yeah, and just what a letdown that is. I mean, you know, you think you're going, and then you're not, and you get bounced early. Um, the Chargers last year, that game you were talking about, up 27-7 at halftime, only able to score three points in the second half. So you're up 27-7 at halftime. You come out and you did put it in Justin Herbert's hands, like you said. Justin Herbert still threw 43 passes, 25 of 43 in that game, 273 and one touchdown, only handing the ball to Austin Eckler 13 times Mm. the entire game. 13 carries, 35 yards, two touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown. So Austin Eckler had three touchdowns in that game. Um, But, you know, you look at the on the other side and the Jags with Trevor Lawrence, he was 28 of 47 288 yards, four touchdowns. Mm. But he threw four picks, and that was in the first half, you remember. Yeah. I think he threw all those in the first half, tail of two halves, and you're right, Joe Lombardi uh, ended up being a scapegoat for that. So, yeah, I like that. I like that idea that Justin Herbert has that pressure on him. He has been anointed by a lot of folks in the football world as the, the second coming because of his arm talent, because of his size and his stature. But he hasn't had a playoff win yet, and uh, that was a big playoff loss. So you don't think Justin Fields has pressure on him? I mean, based on, you know, the, the, the spot that he was drafted, the expectations that he's going to be a franchise quarterback, his inability to stay healthy, the doubt that he can do it with his arm. You don't think there's pressure on him to prove that he's a, an NFL quarterback. You called him a running back. You know, doesn't he want to prove that he is a quarterback? Justin Fields? Yeah. <laughs> I think that... This year, Justin Fields will be asked to do something that he hasn't been asked to do his first two years in the National Football League. 
He's going to be asked to push the ball down the field. He's going to be asked to complete well over 50% of his passes. He's going to be asked to learn how to play the quarterback position. But that's not on him that they finally figured it out and they finally fixed it. It's not on him that year one, that coaching staff gets linked into his ability with his legs and didn't say, hey, we're just going to take our bumps and bruises right now and try to develop this guy into a pocket passer. So they kicked it down the, the road, Nate, in a sense, where they had opportunity. We look at kind of like um, what the Colts have done, the model with them, right? Draft Peyton Man and throw him out there. Peyton leads the league in interceptions as a rookie. Yeah. Right? Well, did it, Peyton turns into this Hall of Fame quarterback. Okay, now they get another opportunity. They draft Andrew Luck. They throw him out there year one. I hope they do that with Richardson as well this year. But they're not waiting. They're not trying to kick it down the road to see, oh, let's um, you know tailor our playbook to try to make this guy win and try to win as many games as possible. No, we're going to try to tailor this to an NFL offense and what has had success proven over time in this league. With uh, Justin Fields, he's had the misfortune of that coaching staff saying, hey, we're going to go in a completely different direction because we want to win right now. Mm-hmm. It's about winning right now. Where when you get a young quarterback, take your bumps and bruises. Create that offense. Make that quarterback feel comfortable in that offense and where the NFL is going, not where it's been a decade ago. They have definitely added um, some weapons to that team. The tight end Cole Komet had a pretty good year last year. They added Robert Tanyan to that team, so they're going to be able to do some Dual tight end sets that should be pretty good. They got Chase Claypool now traded in the middle of last season. And they got DJ Moore as well and Darnell Mooney. Those those are some weapons. Dante Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert had a, some good games last year. So that's a that's a much better offense to work with. Like Colin Cowherd said, 5-20 and 20 as a starter, Justin Fields. So I do believe he's got something to prove this year. Um, eh, everybody does every moment of their lives, don't they? All right, uh, including this guy. James Merrillat. He joins us next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. left from Harold Faltermeyer, you know that James Merlat is about to rock it. James, thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate you You're having me. You're in the studio, me. man. Yeah, it's, it's good to it's, see it's you. It's been more the norm than not, yeah, right? Yeah, I know, but I, you weren't here last I wasn't. I week, wasn't. so it's good to see you. We're talking, we're talking sports, but we're also talking pet peeves at home with the one you love. Is there anything that happens at home? Because we talked to, like, we've got some people texting in about... Leaving a number one in the toilet for too long. Mm. Or, um, you know, yeah, leaving the drawers open. We're leaving the refrigerator door open, which is a big one. Anything, you know, that's no big deal, but it is a big deal. Well, I've turned into my father because I have three sons, 17, 14, and 11. And it's all the stuff that he used to yell at me for. Leaving closet doors open. Lights are on constantly. I can turn <laughs> off the light in the laundry room, mm. go downstairs, come back upstairs, and it's on again. I'm like, it's like they get up just to turn it on and go back to bed just to drive me crazy. Garage doors open, doors not locked. You know, nobody takes out the trash. It's that kind of stuff. It's like old guy dad stuff. That's Those are my pet peeves. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, all right, so we were just talking about the quarterbacks 
in the NFL with the most pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Colin Cowherd has a list of five. He thinks it's in this order. Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tua, Tagovailoa, and Justin Fields is the number one quarterback with the pressure on him. Orlando doesn't agree with that list. He, he, he threw out some names like Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Where do you fall in this discussion? Who's the quarterback who has the most pressure? And also Russell Wilson, where does he fall in your mind? Well, I'm with Orlando on this. I think he hit the nail on the head. I think Russ has the most pressure on him of any quarterback in the league. I mean, if he's terrible again this year, his career might be over. I mean, who's going to take him next year? Now, first of all, I'm not sure the Broncos can afford to part ways. It's going to be an $89 million cap hit that you could either take that in 2024 or spread it out over a couple of years. That's going to be painful. $89 million. I mean, can you explain to me, like I'm like I'm stupid because I am when it comes to this, why it's an $89 million cap hit? Because the contract extension he signed hasn't even started yet. The first year of it is next year. And there's guaranteed money that's a part of it. There's signing bonuses that are a part of it. So that would be $89 million cap hit for one season? Yeah, if you get rid of him. Right. It's, it's, it becomes the dead cap. I don't know that he would have to be so bad for them to say, yeah, let's just eat that. I mean, he would have to be just... Uh, abysmal, but he's not only playing for legacy, he's playing for a spot in this town, he's playing for potentially a job in the league. Justin Fields is going to be in the league in 2024. He's going to be a bear, right? I mean, Tua, unless he gets hurt again, which isn't in necessarily within his control, is going to be in the league. I, I think Dak Prescott's a really good one. I think he's on the list, makes a lot of money. They win a lot of regular season games, but at some point, can you get over the hump in the playoffs? That's a great one. Um, I don't think Matthew Stafford belongs on that list. He went to L.A., accomplished exactly what he was supposed to do. They stripped the team down of talent, and now it's like Matthew Stafford. It it reminds me of Todd Helton when it was Todd and the Toddlers, right, when it was just a bunch of guys around him, and nobody put any pressure on Todd Helton. It's the same thing with Matthew Stafford out there. So, um, yeah, I, I think Russ is at the top of the list. I think the guys O suggested are much better on the list than some of those that Colin Cowherd had. Um, James, when you look at this season, how many games will the Broncos win because of Russell Wilson, and how many games will the Broncos win because of Sean Payton, and why? I think they'll win four or five because of Sean Payton, and those are games they lost last year because of Nathaniel Hackett. and that, So that puts them at nine, maybe ten. And I think they'll win two or three games because of Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson getting back to what he was last year. So you can find a couple of games a year ago. The Indianapolis game jumps to the front of the uh, front of your mind of, hey, that's a game they win if Russell Wilson doesn't blow the game. Mm-hmm. Two interceptions in the red zone in the second half, uh, missing K.J. Hamler on the fourth and one from the six-yard line in overtime to win the game. That's on Russ. So I think there will be a couple of games where he'll play significantly better. He'll be in a system that makes sense. It won't just be this mismatch of, like, you know, you go to a restaurant and the menu's just too many pages long because they're trying to do too many things. Cheesecake just, factory? Exactly. Instead of just being, Love you know, in and out burger where there's like all the options. Six, six items on the Mexican, list. You want Mexican, you want Chinese, you want Indian right. food. What do you Canes. want? Canes to, the Canes place, you get two options, right? There's such chicken strips. And they, they, and, they <laughs> and they don't mess it up. So that's how I have them getting to 12. I, I don't think, you know, you, you guys were talking about the documentary quarterback and you, you watch it. And the number of close games the, the Chiefs played, the number of close games the Vikings played, heck, the number of close games the Falcons played, they just didn't finish at the end, and that's why Marcus Mariota lost his job to Desmond Ritter, whereas the Chiefs find a way to win those games. number of times in that show that Patrick Mahomes is running around, this is what I bleep and do, this is what I bleep. Yeah, you win games at the end, 
that's what Russell Wilson's going to have to do a couple of times. He actually showed some signs of doing it, though, last year. Right? He led the, the game-winning drive against the Niners. He led the game-winning drive against the Jaguars. He led a drive to cut it to two with seven and a half minutes to go at the Raiders, and they couldn't get the ball back. The defense couldn't get the Raiders off the field. Like He did show that he can be that fourth-quarter, make-plays-when-it-counts type of quarterback, despite having an awful season. I think he's going to be even better about that this year. Okay, so he was sacked 55 times last year. Yep. He, was, uh, he had a career-low in completion percentage at 60.4, which is – Pretty low, yeah. especially in these this day and age with the NFL. Uh, these quarterbacks are very accurate, and he only threw 16 touchdowns. All right, is he going to improve on those numbers, and yeah. how how significantly will he improve on those numbers? I think he's a 4,000-yard, 30-touchdown, barely over 10-interception type of season. Okay. That's wrong. Completion percentage, you're probably at, what, 65, 66, somewhere in there. Completing two out of three passes, I think, is kind of where he'll he'll get to. Um, what about I, the injury? Uh, do you have injury concerns? He was injured three times last year when he tried to, you know, um, use his legs and get out and make plays that might not have been there. Uh, to me, he's that's his brand of football. That's what he wants to play. Yeah. Can his body handle that? I don't know. That's a good question because the first one was the labrum, and he hurt that in Vegas in week four, diving, just diving for a touchdown. Diving for a touchdown. That's the play you want him to make. Yeah. Right? The last one was the concussion against the Chiefs when he got the big egg on his head. Right. That was diving for a first down inside the five. The, yeah. the hammy as well, just trying to pick up a first down. Yeah, and, and the hammy, I mean, everybody on the roster, I think, pulled their hammy last year. So I'm not going to hold that one against him. Um, but those other two, it's like, all right, you want him to try and make the plays with his, with his legs. But do you have to be diving into the end zone unless it's fourth down? No. Yeah. Do you have to be diving for that first down against the Chiefs unless it's fourth down? No. How do you dial that back, though, when your instinct is to go make that play? That's I don't what, know. That's who Russell is, right? And, and for me, if, if I'm Sean Payton, it, it, that's it, I'd rather live with him. All right, he may go a little too far. Then I'm trying to kick him in the butt and get him to make those plays with his legs. So I'm going to live with that end of the spectrum. More so than the dude, you got to try and make something happen, and which I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that. Now, James, um, all week we've been doing this thing. We kind of going position by position, naming our MVP. Um, I just want your your general sense of the whole entire thing, right? If you couldn't pick Russell Wilson, you couldn't pick Sean Payton. Who is the MVP for this Denver Broncos team in twenty twenty three? That's a really good question. I like their starting twenty two. They don't have a ton of depth behind it, so that that worries me. Uh, I think the defense will be really good if Randy Gregory plays more than a dozen games. I said 14. 14. And, Zach Allen gets 10 sacks. Yep. that's it, 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 You're right. Because it's not just the numbers Randy Gregory will put up. It's Zach Allen being next to him on that side of the uh, of the defense that he would he would have bigger numbers and a bigger impact too. So I, I'm going to pick I'm gonna pick him. And then I think this is going to sound a little bit like a cop-out, but I think that starting offensive line has to stay healthy. Mm. They're really good on paper. I think they'll be really good on the field, but man, you start looking behind them, it is Scary. really, really thin. So we saw it last year when Garrett Bowles went out. Right tackle last year was the revolving door, like like always. If Bowles is good, if McGlinchey's good, if Ben Powers is as advertised, I, I think they'll be really good up front. So defensively, it's Randy Gregory. I think he's the I think he's the key to that defense going from you know what they were a year ago and getting back to remember when they traded Bradley Chubb. They weren't a very good defense after that. They couldn't get to the quarterback. Before that, they were actually pretty good. Yeah. Can he fill that void and give him that pass rusher? If not, VJ is going to take a step back in year one. 
Good stuff, James. Hey, appreciate you joining us in studio. All right. We'll see you next always. week. Sounds good. Same time. Thanks, same place. Same channel. All right. Thank you, James. Uh, we're going to react to some of the thoughts that James has and also talk about the kickers as we wrap this thing up on a Friday. That's next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Frank, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Another Harold Faltermeyer tune, huh? Fletch. One of the greatest movies of all time. Are we sure? Are we sure that's not Danny Elfman? Who is Danny Elfman? Those were the two guys that did like every '80s movie. Oh, Danny yeah. Elfman and Harold Faltermeyer. <laughs> so that one, that one might have been Danny Elfman. No, this is Faltermeyer's. Are you 100 percent sure? Yeah, it is. Johnny Wright. I don't know. I'll look it up though. Coffee bet. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm gonna take Danny Elfman. All right. I got Faltermeyer on this one. Pretty positive. Um, thanks for sticking around because, um, no you know, we were talking during the break about the kickers. And before we get into the kickers, we got some breaking news there, Orlando. You want to you wanna share it with them? With oh, them? yeah. Breaking news. Here we go. Per Adam Schefter, a running back deal. Veteran free agent Melvin Gordon reached agreement today on a one-year deal worth $3.1 million with the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Per league source. He <laughs> Melvin Gordon to the Ravens. Uh, that's got him. I, I think that's a fit for him, though. What do you think, James? Yeah, I think it's a good fit. I think he'll play well there. Um, Melvin Gordon's a good running back. He's a good football player. He got into a situation here where I, the fumbles got into his head, you know. And it, 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 he was to me, he was like that second baseman who had the yips and couldn't throw the ball to first base. Yeah. And, and you know, the more. Chuck Knobloch worried about it. The more he struggled to do it, the more the Yankee Stadium fans got on him. The more he struggled to do it, it just kind of became this, yeah. you know, vicious cycle. Everyone's thinking about the thing yeah. that was yeah. about to happen, yeah. and it happened. I mean, every time he got the ball, yeah. we were like, "Don't fumble! Don't fumble! Don't fumble!" He was saying the same exactly. Thing. But also from the time he got here, right? You're coming in here where Philip Lindsay's a two thousand yep. two year one thousand yard rusher, the hometown hero, the hometown kid, and now they decide to pay you, yeah. right? So. I feel like I was there when Melvin got drafted with the Chargers, and he does get into his head a little bit, but he didn't help himself is he the didn't. issue. He was his you own know? worst enemy a lot. Yeah, like show up to OTAs. Like just yep. try to be a guy. Try to, you know, um, not have your name out there in the media every single day because of actions that you can control. Yeah, and you know what? He's a he's a really interesting guy. He was always very thoughtful at the podium, had some good things to say. He does it a lot on podcasts where, you know, he, he was talking about the running back situation that became a big story this week about how it's, you know, the worst thing to be is a running back, right? Yeah. They won't get paid. He said that like a month ago and everybody was calling him a crybaby about <laughs> right. it and all the rest of it. So he's very truthful. He's very honest, but that's part of what gets him in trouble too. Mm-hmm. He's his own worst enemy of, you know what? Sometimes when you're having those struggles or you're coming in here and you're taking over for Philip Lindsay and you got the two year, $16 million deal, just show up to OTAs, just show up and play. You know, nobody wants to hear some of those things. So it's unfortunate. But I think he uh, he did kind of cause a lot of his own problems. Nice of Baltimore, though, because they yeah. were interested with him the first time around when he signed here. And then he almost left for Baltimore the second time around when they re-signed him last year. So um, nice of Baltimore. And he got that ring with the Chiefs, right? He's yeah. on, ring. Right, yeah. he's on that squad. That's he got hilarious. that ring. Yeah, on the practice squad. Um, all right. T- want to talk about these kickers for the Denver Broncos while we're still here. Elliot Fry is the only kicker on the roster right now. And we've heard some folks say that the opening day kicker might not be on the roster right now. Elliot Fry, not a ton of experience. Six career field goal attempts. Okay, that's not not a bunch. Five of six, okay? 
Um, so you had some you know, thoughts about the kickers on this on this roster. What are, what are you thinking going into this training camp? Well, I would agree with the people who say the opening day kicker's not on this roster. I can't imagine they're starting the year with Elliott Fry. Why? Maybe. If he just makes everything in camp. I maybe, mean, maybe, but he's been on like 10 different teams. I mean, at some point... That is a that is a bit of a red flag. He's just you know not that he's actually kicked for him, but he's had tryouts and he's you know had a shot with them. Twenty eight years camp. old. Yep. So there there is a reason for that. And kicker is one of those things you don't really worry about. You don't think about till they go out there and shank the thirty eight yarder when you're down two with twelve seconds to go in the game. And Broncos with kickers are a little bit like the Packers have been with quarterbacks. Mm. When you go Jason Elam, Matt Prater. Brandon McManus, you haven't worried about kicker in this town in 30 years. Uh, that's a long time. To uh, I wasn't of legal drinking age the last time we had to worry about the kicker in this town. That's right. So uh, I, I think that'll be a little bit of a shock to the system. And that can turn into one of those things where you're constantly searching, right? There's always that team every year that seems like they have a different kicker every week. It's the Cowboys, it's the Chargers, it's the Bears, it's whoever, because they can't find a guy that's consistent. Last year, wasn't it the, was it last year the Cowboys had... Mar- Brett Maher and he missed like yeah. four extra points yeah, in one yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, talk about just getting in your head, right? So I think he's out there too. We could maybe he was one of the names that was right. rumored to come in here. Imagine right. dealing with that, right? Like Brandon McManus, and I think he did, uh, you know, uh, kind of wear out his welcome here with a lot of his stuff. Of here's the kicker, just kind of be a little bit more anonymous. But you didn't worry about that kind of stuff. We didn't have those kind of weeks where it's like, oh my gosh, is he going to make an extra point? And that's one of those things that uh, not having to worry about that is a luxury. Broncos may find that out the hard way. Um, yeah, and, and man. I do like the punter upgrade, though. Okay, talk about that. Punter killed them last year. So yes, it did. Broncos had the worst starting field position in the in the league a year so ago. So they went with a very inexperienced guy last year, Corliss Waitman. And yep. they, what they didn't realize is he would be punting so much. He punted he a the ton. in actual punts. And he was last, I don't know if he was last, but he, he didn't do a great job. Well, and the Broncos had a lot of punts where it's like, gosh, they got to midfield, but then they stalled. They're not yeah. in field goal range. They had to punt it away. If you pin the opposition inside the 10, all right, it helps your defense. Get You probably are going to get the ball back because they're going to be a little bit conservative. And he would put him in the end zone time after time after time, which just killed him. On the flip side, and this wasn't his fault, you could go back in every single game. It seemed like the Broncos were starting a drive or two inside the 10. They had terrible, terrible field position and couldn't pin the other team back. Having a better punter and Riley Dixon, I think, will help with that. Yeah, that's Riley Dixon, and uh, he was a seventh-round pick in 2016. And a big guy, 6'4", 221 pounds. So hopefully that is an upgrade because Corliss Waitman, and they took a chance on Corliss Waitman, a relatively inexperienced mm-hmm. guy. It didn't They didn't realize how bad the offense was going to be. And so when your offense is that bad and your punting is bad as well and you are just to have that many three, three and outs, really puts your defense in a difficult position. Johnny, you said you have an answer for what now? Uh, the answer for oh, Fletch, who did Fletch. The coffee oh, yeah. bet. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. It was indeed Harold. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. You'll have to send me your order for next Friday. Just I'll a big, big old coffee. That's with, what I do. With a splash of some sort of cream. I'm not, okay. you know, milk, whole milk, whatever. Sometimes it's oat milk. I don't care. You're not going to get me for an $8 coffee? No, it's not going to be. Okay. No, no, but All I'm right. going to have like a... I would have been fair. Like, I, didn't, I didn't put like any stipulations a, on. Half-calf, upside-down, double <laughs> mocha blast. Okay. What's wrong with that? Because I get a caramel macchiato every single day. Exactly. So what's wrong with that, guys? Well, you know, it's... 
Kind of foo foo. Oh, it's foo foo. It okay. is a little bit. No well, it's the guy that's having I like what I like. I just okay. appreciate he's not making me splurge for that. So thank you. Not that's at nice all, man. Just I owe you one. Next week. Don't, don't let me forget. All right, I will not. And uh, that's it for us, for us on the Players Club. Have a great weekend, guys. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.